wrote a song, Hooked on a Feeling. And that old song came back to my mind. And for me, it wasn't necessarily who sung it. It was the fact that when the internet was in its infancy and, and 3D graphics had never even been heard of, somebody came up with this little dancing baby and they danced to that song. And that was the first viral video that, that hit. And it was probably about, I don't know, 95, 96, 97, something like that. And that song was there so Ever since I've been a teenager, that song gets in my head, hooked on a feeling. It's easy to get hooked on a feeling. It's easy to let something get a hold of you and you go, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. But the story of the triumphal entry tells us don't get hooked on a feeling because sometimes that feeling changes and you're ready to crucify it. And I want to preach to you tonight the very simple this, don't get hooked on a feeling. Would you close your eyes and would you ask the Lord to talk to you? Ask the Lord to minister to you right now. Father, we love you. We thank you and we bless you. Lord, I, I thank you for the worship that you've allowed us to enter into. Each and every one of us that's come to give you praise and glory. We're magnifying you. We're seeing you as you are in your glory and your righteousness and your holiness. And I pray that you would touch as we preach tonight. God, let us see you for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah, you can be seated if you'd like. It's easy to get hooked on a feeling. I could ask each and every one of you that's been teenagers and um, you confess your undying love to that little 14-year-old girl or 12-year-old girl and you just know that's going to be it. And If that's where you are today, young people, let me just tell you, it will change probably several times. Um, our feelings, they're fickle. I've, I've, I remember as a kid coming into my parents and, and getting so mad at, at my friends and telling my parents I'm never going to talk to them again. I, I hope they just keel over and die. Just They're dead to me. I don't deal with them. And then later on, sometimes in the same day, I'm like, Mom, can I go to their house? And Mom goes, I thought y'all were fighting. Well, no, not anymore. They have a trampoline and a pool. I want to go to their house. Yeah, that, that, You didn't have a trampoline, Mike, but you had a pool. I only like Mike because he had a pool. It's wrong. I know it's awful. I'm sorry, Sister Buford. I'll apologize. But but listen, don't don't get hooked on a feeling. It'll pass. We we all get to that place where we we tend to allow our lives to follow what we feel. And and that in its sense, now I could talk to you sociology, uh, uh, socially about it. I could tell you psychologically about it. But let me talk to you spiritually about it. The Bible says in the very beginning, Genesis chapter three, that Satan slithered up to Adam and Eve, and he 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 he, if you will, got close to Eve, and he said. You're not going to die for God knows that when you eat of this tree, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. And I can just imagine that Eve by this time is running her hands over that fruit and she smelled it, she's felt it and there's no ominous moment. I sure wish God would operate with a soundtrack. You know, you're, you're watching a movie, you watch something and that soundtrack hits and you just know something's about to happen, right? Ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. And that shark starts swimming for those of you that know. It's something about it, but God doesn't operate like that. I mean, I really wish that, that if I was going to do something wrong, you know, that music would kick in and I would say, hmm, I better not do that. Don't go out into the nighttime alone where the bad guy is. 
Don't go down into the basement. Bad things happen in the basement. Don't go in the basement. You know, you all of you've done that. You scream and holler. Don't get hooked on a feeling. But but Eve, nothing felt wrong. In fact, if you will, everything felt right. It was a good tree. It had good fruit. It looked good to eat. It probably smelled good. And she knew it was going to taste awesome. There's a, a, a preacher, I don't know him well, he's one of our, 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 our United Pentecostal preachers, his name is J. Patrick Fuller, and he's a Marine or has been a Marine. And he relayed this story, and, and I, I, I wrote it down and, and got it when he relayed it. He said that, that he was in Alaska in 1994 for Arctic training. So they, they get off the plane there inside the hangar and they load up into the buses and the instructor comes out. Remember, this is Alaska in the wintertime. And he says, outside, it's negative 65 degrees. That's cold. He says it's imperative that you have zero exposure. When you exit that, that bus, run as fast as you can and get inside so, so that you won't. And, and he began to say that they had spent 90 days acclimating to cold weather in the mountains of Northern California. He had spent time, they had been up there, they had, they, they had done different types of training for three months trying to acclimate, but he remembers his, his teachers and his instructors saying this, and I want you to listen. It says, you can only acclimate how you feel in the cold, you cannot acclimate to how you're affected by the cold. What that means is this, just because you think you can handle the cold, you have no idea what that negative 65 is doing to your body and before you know it, before you even feel it, you got frostbite and you're dead. Don't get hooked on a feeling. And he went on to kind of make a spiritual thing. He said just because you're acclimated to sin doesn't mean you're not affected by that sin. I could paint you hundreds of pictures from the pages of the Bible of people who trusted their feelings. People like Abraham and Sarah who wanted a baby so bad and, and, and God had promised them and God had tried to lay out everything that was supposed to happen but they got hooked on a feeling and the feeling said, you know, God's not doing it according to our plan so why don't we help it along? Sarah says, you know, I got this, this, this servant, this slave named Hagar and, and maybe her womb will, will produce and so they, they allowed that to happen and it was trusting their feelings and not God and it brought... Ishmael in and there's a lot of problems and you can read it I don't have time to tell you about it I could tell you about Isaac some of the things there trusting his feelings how, how about simply Isaac when, when he's old and his eyes are dim he can't see and, and, and uh, he, he's going to give Esau that blessing and Jacob comes and puts uh, uh, animal skins on his hands and, and arms so he feels hairy like his brother Esau and puts on Esau's clothes and, and smells like Esau and he tries to change his voice and he, he, he creates a stew that probably tastes a lot like the, the venison stew that Esau would bring and, and Isaac there in the dimness of his age he, he's feeling and he's affected he trusted his feelings and Jacob stole the birthright. Jacob was the epitome of someone who lived on their feelings. Up and down. Just, just up and down everywhere. David and Bathsheba. 
David was on the rooftop when he should have been out fighting with his army and because of that he trusted feelings and emotions and it, it illicit affair began to happen. A baby's born from that. A husband that, that, that was Bathsheba's husband, he dies because of David's command and, and, and then the baby has to die because of God's punishment, trusting feelings, not God. Solomon, smartest man in the Bible yet also the stupidest man in the Bible allowed his feelings, allowed his emotions to, to cause him to go down a path that he would never recover from. In fact, the, the end of Solomon's life is devastating. And on and on and on and on it goes. People that get hooked on a feeling and don't realize what God's trying to do. I grew up, my, one of my favorite singers was a country singer by the name of Jim Reeves, my papa's favorite singers. My dad's one of my dad's favorite singers, and and if you don't know him, shame on you because he was second only to Elvis in in uh, uh, hits and, and all of that. Incredible. But in in July thirty first, nineteen sixty four, Jim Reeves and his piano player Dean Manuel took off from Batesville, Arkansas. Reeves was a pilot and he was flying his Beechcraft Bonanza airplane, and they were leaving Batesville, Arkansas, and they were going to Nashville, Tennessee. Reeves was only cleared to fly in clear weather, but a storm arose, dark skies and rain began to buffet that small aircraft. At about 5 p.m. on July 31st, the plane disappeared from radar just 10 miles from Nashville. They said two days later they found the wreckage and the remains of Reeves and Manuel. A heavily wooded arrow, arrow area. The official report comes back and says pilot error was the cause of the accident. They begin to speculate, knowing how things go, that in that storm, Reeves most likely experienced vertigo. Vertigo is that disorienting sensation that's caused by the imbalance of an inner ear because you're leaning to one direction. And when you're in a storm, I heard it, I heard it said, and, and, and this is just one of those kind of colloquial terms, but uh, I've been in, in, I heard it said, I've been in fog so thick, Brother Don, that it was like being inside a ping pong ball. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever been fog like that? You can't see in front of you. You can't see behind you. You have no idea where you are. Well, a storm, when you're up in that little plane, a storm is that same way. And, and, and because of the dark clouds and because of, of no spatial uh, uh, recognition, you don't know if you're flying upside down or right side up. You've lost all sense of, of direction and balance and, and all of that. Because of that, uh, uh, the, the buffeting of the storm... Reeves didn't know where he was, if you will. His inner ear probably given him the sensation that he was in a turn and he overcompensated by turning the aircraft in the opposite direction and crashed. However, if Reeves would have been qualified to fly by the instruments, he'd have been okay. Airplanes have an instrument and in fact, they have a lot of them. They have altimeters which tell you how high you're going. And I don't know what the other one is, but it's the one that tells you where your, your wings are pitched and whether you're turning or you're banking. And, and if he could have flown by the instruments, he could have closed his eyes to everything around him. And, and I've heard pilots tell me, even pilots I know, they've told me, they said, you've got to trust the instrument. I've had pilots uh, that, that I know of, they've told me, they said, they said, Brandon, there have been moments that we're flying 
and, and everything within me says that I'm going one direction, but my instruments say I'm going the other. And they say you can't fly by feeling at that point. You've got to trust the instruments. They'll tell you where you are because you don't have a reference point around you. That's why the Bible says, Psalms 119.105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. I cannot live my life getting hooked on a feeling because if I live my life by what I feel, then I'm going to take a far different turn. But if I can fly, if you will, by the instrument of the word of God, then I will know no matter what the enemy puts against me, no matter what time, no matter what circumstances, no matter what problems, no matter what darkness, no matter what buffets my little boat, I'll be okay hooked by feeling. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'd love for you to turn there with me. I want to read the first 10 verses, but I do want to take them up and, and not, not take them out of context, but just kind of show you uh, perhaps a different side to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, and we know that if our tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, then we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in heavens. This means that the day that you take your final breath and this body, this tent that we're living in, in this life, if that body is destroyed, don't worry. You'll have a home, a building from God, a house not made with hands. For in this tent we long, we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. But it goes on in verse 4, but while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, for that is what mortal... Uh, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. We, he who has prepared for us this very thing in God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee, we are always of good courage. We know that while we are home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We're of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. But whether we're at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, this verse, we walk by faith and not by sight, it's probably uh, been pulled out of context so many times we, we didn't, you didn't even know it was a part of this chapter. So first, you have to realize that he's not telling you to walk by faith. He's kind of saying you're already walking by faith. If you're living here and you're looking forward to heaven and you're saying, you know, should I die tomorrow? I know where I'm going. You're walking by faith and not by sight. But as I was reading it a little bit, I kind of saw that verse that says we groan being burdened. Knowing that life has a way of throwing curves. Knowing that life has a way of just burdening us and we groan but yet it's this understanding I don't I don't operate by what I feel if I operated just just let me help you out if I operated by how I feel you would not want me as your pastor if I operated by the way I feel in fact um, there'd be times I'd just walk off after preaching and I'd just cry myself to sleep no one came to the altar, and I thought I preached a pretty good message, Brother Don. If I operate by the way I feel, some of you would have mean old voicemails on your phone. I get frustrated, and I'd, if I operated by the way I feel, I'd want to resign every Monday morning. And then by Saturday, I'd want you to take me back. If I operated by the way I feel, my life would be up and down. But I've realized this, I don't walk by sight, I walk by faith. 
I could preach a while on this. I could tell you that, and, and I think you, you, you get where I'm going here. But at the risk of just kind of stopping this sermon and hitting another sermon, and I know the transition will be a little jumpy. But I'm not here to tell you today about exactly what all I've been saying thus far. But I do want you to realize, don't walk by faith. I mean, don't walk by sight, walk by faith. Don't walk by your feelings. Walk by the fact that God is in control. But in all of that, there's another side to this that I've been thinking about. Because I look and I see what all God's doing. I watch and I see people being filled with the Holy Ghost. I watch at the lighthouse waters of baptism that are troubling. I see Bible studies that are going on. I I see healings that are beginning to happen. And I listen to prayers that are prayed of great needs that only God could do. And something kind of got on me. So I want to ask you a question. If you're brave enough, you can raise your hand. But if not, you can just sit there. But have you ever, have you ever invited somebody to church? And you say, dear Lord, please, don't let us have one of them Pentecostal services. Please, please don't let so-and-so take off. And I mean, I love, I love the worship, God, but just not tonight, okay? I want to ease my guest in to this apostolic thing. I, I just, just please, Lord, just let us sing three songs, simple songs, you know, Joy FM radio songs that they know. And then, and then we'll take up a simple offering. Let pastor preach just a good message, but just let them be comfortable. One of my favorite quotes of all time is a lady by the name of Angela Monet. You probably heard me say this. The quote goes like this. Those who danced were thought to be quite mad by those who could not hear the music. You ever been driving in the car, pull up to a parking light, stoplight, and somebody next next to you, I mean, is just rocking out, jamming out, and you're kind of wondering what they're doing, and they look weird? If you're like me, you start scanning radio stations and see if you can find a song that matches the beat and figure out what they're listening to. Anybody ever done that? Because that's how I operate. Maybe they have a Joy FM sticker on the back, and you try to see if they're really Christian or if they're listening to KC95. When you don't know what they've gone through, when you don't know what they're listening to, their worship might seem crazy. And I begin to realize that that to the carnal, the dance looks silly. But to the spiritual, it's something far more. Because you don't operate all the time on a feeling. Um, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says this, There is there now for no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And what God has, and for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. We're not walking according to what we feel. We're walking in a whole other vein. We're walking in the Spirit. Now watch verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh 
set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile. Your King James says it's an enmity. It's an enemy of God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot submit to God's law. And those that are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. And anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. So the the question begs to remain is, is are you walking according to the flesh or are you walking according to the spirit? The flesh is real good at at feelings. The flesh is really good at at just kind of tickling the emotions. But the spirit is what changes you. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, starting in verse 16, you find a perfect story that, that, that just exhibits this. In its perfection. That David, now the king, one of his kind of first acts when he becomes king, he has to do a few things to get the kingdom in order, but one of his first acts is he says, you know, we've had this Ark of the Covenant that, that, that should have been the center point of our, of our worship to God. It, it represents the, the dwelling place of God, but we, we, we foolishly allowed the Philistines to take it and steal it when it shouldn't have been out. And, and then uh, uh, they sent it back, and, and it's, it's been for years cooped up in houses because no one knew what to do with it. He said, I'm ready to bring it back. And so he got it all figured out. He made sure he knew how you carry the Ark. He made sure... How, how is that ark handled? I don't want another uh, Uzzah experience where someone dies because they touched the ark. I want to do it right. And the Bible says in verse 16 that as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, that's David's wife, was looking out her window and she saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord and she despised him in her heart. Because to the carnal, the dance looked silly. To the carnal, it didn't make any sense. They brought in the ark of the Lord. They set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. David finished all of that. He blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts, gave among the people them a portion of meat and cake of raisins. And David returned to his household. And before David could meet him, Michael's at the front door. And she, in just, in my mind, it's the most cutting, sarcastic, condescending voice you could ever hear. Oh, how the king of Israel honored himself, uncovering himself in the eyes. He was like a foolish, vulgar man. And you threw off your king robes and you danced in your linen ephod. You're just absolutely foolish. But she was hooked on a feeling. But David said, you don't understand. God's presence was returning. Something you can't explain unless you know what it's about. Michael was carnal. David was spiritual. Now, you could, and, 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 and I hope you do when I preach, I want you to kind of think ahead. You could start looking at Bible stories and try to figure out who's the carnal side 
and who's the spiritual son. But I was drawn once again to that jail cell where Paul and Silas was. You've seen it. I mean, how many times have you heard Paul and Silas preach? How many times have you seen people act it out? But I begin to think one more time about Paul and Silas sitting there in their, in their prison. Bible said chained together. Now we know the story because it's an awesome story. At midnight, Paul and Silas begin to sing praises unto the Lord, and then the earthquake came, and 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 you know things began to happen, and 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 all of the prison doors were loosed, and that's where it is. But if you're hooked on a feeling, you don't praise in the prison. And if you do sing in the prison, it's one of those woe is me songs. You with me? But Paul and Silas, they weren't operating in their flesh. They weren't operating in their carnality. They were operating walking by faith and not by sight. And they begin to say, Lord, even if tonight is the last night that I'm alive, even if tomorrow they come out and they bring us out and they cut our heads off or hang us high, I've got to realize I'm not hooked on what I feel. I'm not hooked on what uh, just life begins to give me. There's something else that's at work right here. And, and old Paul begins to look at Silas and he begins to say, but can you imagine the other prisoners what in the world is these dudes doing don't they realize what the future holds don't they realize that they're not getting out of this unscathed maybe there was another prisoner that says man I've been in here for 15 years these people are crazy but it was because those other prisoners were carnal. But Paul and Silas had some spiritualness in them that says, we're not hooked on what we feel. We're walking by faith and not by sight. And, and Paul and Silas, when they begin to pray, what's amazing is, is to the other prisoners, the song of Paul and Silas was silly. But to Paul and Silas, they knew their God was able. And at the end of the day, God didn't release those, that, you know, Paul and Silas's jail cell alone. But it says every door in the prison was open. I know it's simple. Maybe even a bit cliche. But I've walked this road long enough to see way too many of us walk by our feelings. Which means if the service is walking and running and going good and everything's happening, then, oh, I love worshiping God. But let a little burden come. Let a little trial come. Let, a, let, let something begin to weigh us down and suddenly the song isn't there anymore. And suddenly the worship isn't there anymore. And doubt begins to creep in and cynicism begins to creep in and we wonder, what are we going to do? But I wonder if there's any spiritual people in the house say it's not what I feel. It's not even what I see. It's not even by what I, I, I think is going to happen if I do this. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. I wonder if we could stand today. In your life, there's those moments where you've got to examine, am I carnal or am I spiritual? Am I, am I allowing my song to be because I know who God is or am I allowing my song to be dictated by how I feel? 
get hooked on the feeling. Feelings are fleeting. Even, even spiritual feelings are fleeting. If you don't believe me, have a rocking service on Sunday night and then go home and see how Monday hits. I mean, I know I work at the church. I get that. I mean, I'm, I'm aware of that. Many of you work in heathen places and you got to deal with so much. I'm pretty blessed. Brother Randall and Sister Danielle and Sister uh, Rache there in the office, you know, they don't cuss normally and they're not, you know, they're, they're not telling dirty jokes. I mean, it's a pretty good place to be. All right, I like working here. But I can tell you right now that Mondays, I don't walk into that office speaking in other tongues and dancing because it's Monday. I don't always feel it, but I'm not walking by my feelings. I'm walking by faith, and I know what God's doing, which is why every time I come into this place, I'm okay with worship. I'm okay with someone lifting their hands. I'm okay with someone seeking the Holy Ghost. I'm okay with someone doing that because you're walking by faith. And to the spiritual, the things are spiritual. To the carnal, the things are carnal. I wonder if you could close your eyes for a moment and if you could examine the life that you're living and why don't you ask yourself, Lord, am I spiritual or am I carnal? Am I walking by faith or am I walking by sight? Why don't you just begin to examine as they begin to sing, as they begin to play.